The songs that we've sung set the, the tone, if you will, for the reminder to us as to who we are and what it is that God is expecting from us. To remind ourselves that we are the light of the world. And as such, we have an obligation and a responsibility to be that light that shines brightly in the world. The scripture reading this morning out of Philippians 2 is a reminder to us of how we begin to be that light of the world in the way that we choose to live our lives. And the invitation song reminds us that we have an obligation and a responsibility because one day we are preparing to meet God and life will be judged by the things we've done in the body, whether they be good or whether they be evil. We will be judged by the way that we have responded to what God has done for us through that gospel of Jesus Christ. Desiring to have that mind or that attitude, which was also in Christ Jesus, tremendous lesson, tremendous challenge that is given by God to us as human beings to have something to strive for that in our lifetime will never be fully achieved but will always be the challenge and the goal of wanting to have a mindset that we find in the Gospels concerning Jesus Christ. We forget sometimes the attitude that Jesus had, the need to have it be brought to mind as to exactly what is involved. We as human beings have a tendency of categorizing the life that we live, categorizing the deeds that we do, sorting out sins in an order that we perceive to be from horrible to wherever else that we will go in that line to the little white lies and forget what it is that Jesus said we need to be willing to do. Part of that is found in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 13, in verses 1 through 5. The reminder that Jesus, during his ministry on this earth, is among those that were called God's people. 
He was among those who had a rich, rich history and being blessed by God in one form or another throughout their history. They also had a history of being corrected by God and punished by God when it was called for, but with the purpose of striving to call them back to where they needed to be. For those of Jesus' day are no different from those of our day. And wanting to categorize sin. And to thinking that if it's minor, it's not that serious. So back in Luke 13 and 1 through 5, there were those who were talking to Jesus about some of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. The concept being, they were in the house of God. And they were offering sacrifices unto God. And they were struck down in the very process of worshiping God. Something had to be wrong. They had to have committed some terrible sin that they would be allowed to have their life taken in the process of offering a sacrifice. And Jesus responded to them, Do you think these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? No. I tell you. But unless you who are making the statement, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. We see it as horrible. We have capital punishment uh, carried out in our country. We set terms for a crime based upon what we think the seriousness of the crime was and the length of time to have to serve that crime. Somebody get a sentence of 170 years, you know what that sentence is. But we base it upon our perception of how terrible it is. Jesus is reminding us, reminding us as he was reminding them, listen, I'm telling you that unless you change your life, for them it may have been their attitude, a pride as to who they were. It may have been their pride in who they, the position they held within the religious community or the society of the Jews of that day. It can be based on a number of different things, but I'm telling you, Jesus said, unless you repent, unless you turn from your sin, unless you acknowledge that what you have done is wrong in the eyes of God, it's not just wrong, it's sin. It's a transgression of God's law. And sin is worthy of death. Any sin, it's what the Old Testament shows us time and time again. Any sin 
no matter how minor it appears to us, has a sentence of death. Paul in Romans 3.23 and over in Romans 6.23 brings that out. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. Sin is a transgression of God's law. And there's never been a time in human history that man has not had God's law. It's always been there. And man has violated it, transgressed it, disobeyed it, ignored it, a host of things. But that reminder there, unless you change, you're going to likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower and Siloam fell and killed them. Do you think they were worse offenders than all the others who have lived in Jerusalem? Again, that's a highlight again if you want to go back and look at human history. Oh, the Babylonians were terrible sinners. The Assyrians, the Medes and the Persians, the Greeks, the Romans, and on and on the list could go. Terrible, terrible sinners deserve death and to forget that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Have this mind in you that was in Christ Jesus who did not think equality with God a thing to be grasped, but was willing to empty himself and to take on the form of a servant and to be obedient, yea, obedient to the point of death, yea, even death on the cross. How far, to what degree, was Jesus willing to go that we might have life? And how many times does he have to rebuke before we listen? Jesus would tell those of his days that the people of Nineveh are going to rise up in judgment against you because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And I'm telling you, there's a greater than Jonah here today. Woe unto those cities who had heard, seen what Jesus did. And I hear the statement made that even Sodom and Gomorrah, if they had heard the things that you have heard, would have repented in ashcloth and ashes, sackcloth and ashes. Woe unto this city. When you read Genesis 18 and 19, when you read 2 Peter 2, when you read Jude, and you see the description that is given concerning Sodom and Gomorrah, 
wickedness to the nth degree. Punished by God as a sign for those who would live ungodly lives. Reserved until the day of punishment. And then for Jesus to say, if they had heard what you have heard, they would have repented. So who's the worst sinner? There are no worse sinners. All have sinned. And all have come short of the glory of God. We like to have the degrees of punishment. We have a whole law system that is based upon degrees. Was it accidental? What was the intent? What was the purpose? What not on and on? What was the circumstances? All the way up and down the line we want to go with, that is going to determine the degree of punishment. The punishment for sin, any sin, is eternal, is, is eternal damnation away from the presence of our God. That's it. And that's eternal. All, unless all, repent. That's every human being. None are excluded from that. Again, we may like to make us feel better because we're here, because we've made the effort to come into the presence of God. But without that blood of Jesus, there is no hope. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish. That's the other concept that's brought out in the text. Perish. It's not physical death. We're all going to die. Well, those who do not repent are going to perish away from the presence of God. Read 2 Thessalonians 1, 6 through 9, and in that area. It is right for God to punish the wicked. And it is the reminder that those who have been wicked will pay that penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of our Lord. No ifs, ands, buts, exceptions. No misdiagnosis. No innocent being punished unjustly. And no wicked escaping punishment and by some means sneaking into heaven. It's not there. Because we live in a physical world, we have that tendency at times to relate the physical with that spiritual. We want to talk about the plea bargaining, if you will. That's what the Jews were trying to do. 
We have been faithful to you for generations. But had they? The rich young ruler who came to Jesus wanted to know what he must do for eternal life. Was told to keep the commandments. But which ones? And when he was told, he said, I've kept all of these from my youth up. I've kept the commandments of God. But then that statement was made. Had you? Have you kept the commandments of God? Under that law of Moses, what was the first and the foremost of the commandments? To love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. And the second is like unto it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Rich young ruler was told to go and sell all that he had and give to the poor and come follow him. And he could not do that because he was very rich. So he did not love the Lord his God with all his heart. One can go through the motions and the heart not be in it. You watch your drivers on the highway. I've already told you I talk to them all the time anyway. I watch and observe them. And you love to say it every once in a while, even here on Highway 67 going south, going home. You see cars top that hill up there. My belt line racing down that hill, and then they see a police car sitting on the side. And the brake lights go on until they're past him, and then they take off again. Is that how we serve God? When I'm caught, when I actually see what the violation is, I will observe, but once I close it, I've forgotten it, and I go about my way I want to go. Because he loved us, he took on the form of a servant and became obedient to the point of death, yea, even death on the cross. Let your mind be here. Have this type of attitude. That humility of Jesus is beyond comprehension. Taken on the form of a servant. Read John chapter 13. The mind boggler, just to read. Gird himself with a towel, take a wash basin, and begin to wash the feet of his disciples, including Judas, who would betray him. Contrary to their concepts, those 12 who were chosen, those 12 who were ministered by Jesus, those 12 who were trained by him as they watched and observed the Son of the living God walking on the face of this earth 
who had showed his humility in simply coming to this earth, would spend their time in private arguing among themselves which one of them would be the greatest and didn't even see the servant, the greatest of all, serve. Are there greater sinners than others? We categorize them. Jesus says no. How do we view sinners? How do we view humanity? He said, I'm telling you that unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. All without exception. The only way of not perishing spiritually, which is eternally, is to believe that Jesus indeed is who he said he was, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, that he is the only sacrifice for man's sin. Through his blood, we have forgiveness of sins as we're washed in that watery grave of baptism, to be raised to walk that new life. But only those who love the Lord only those who do his will can be those who will be accepted by him. And that's why the invitation song is extended. Prepare. Prepare to meet your God. He's pure. He's holy. He's without blemish. He's all-knowing. There is no tricking him, pulling the wool over his eyes. You stand before him alone, or you stand before him with the blood of Jesus Christ. He gives you that opportunity. The fact that he has not come yet is because of his great love for you. As we sing, if your life is not where it needs to be, and you need to make a change in your life, if we could assist you, if we could help you, indeed we bid you to come as together we stand and sing. <laughs>